Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Nathan Brooks. Nathan, how are you doing today? I am well, sir. How are you? Fantastic. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. Yes. Well, uh, just first one. I want to say thank you again for the uh, opportunity to be on here with you, and um, I really am looking forward to this conversation. Uh, so I'm Nathan Brooks. I'm out of the Kansas City market, and I am uh, a full-time real estate investor. And our focus is primarily twofold. We have a, a flipping business that we use both to uh, sell turnkey properties. So we'll flip about 150 houses this year. Uh, most of those, probably 70, 80% will go turnkey to clients all over the U.S. and internationally. And then we also, you know, will hold, um, you know, we're looking to hold about 50 this year of those. And then uh, second, we, we just started our own uh, retail side of uh, MLS uh, business as well. So we have some, some things that that, you know, obviously symbiotic relationship to our real estate business, but also then some big goals uh, that we're fired up about on that side. Fantastic. So let's go back to the beginning. How did you get started in real estate investing? You know, uh, that's a great question. I uh, was sitting at lunch with my wife in, uh, in a cool kind of bar pub thing and overheard somebody chatting about real estate. And I'd, I'd been, you know, fired up about the concept for some time and, and uh, just kind of started hearing this conversation uh, happening and, uh, lo and behold, two or three weeks later, I end up in a <laughs> quote unquote, and and that those are those are um, painful air cord uh, quotes in, at this point. But uh, business relationship, business partner, uh, who turned out to be a uh, just not a good person at all. But um, <laughs> through that, uh, I learned some excruciating lessons uh, about how how business operates and uh, what the good and bad and ugly of real estate and. So that was kind of my, my first day I bought house. I bought two. Awesome. That's uh, I think you're the first guest that's ever said they bought two on their first day. So <laughs> there you go. Congratulations. So how did that – what were you doing with those two? Were you going to flip them? Uh, yeah, we were going to flip them. Uh, I mean everything that could go wrong went wrong. It was scuzzy banker, terrible business partner. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, kind of day labor and there's a place for everything. Right. But, uh, we, you know, the labor we had on the jobs wasn't that great. And the, you know, just, just, I really set it up to win. <laughs> right. So did you have any background in construction or what made you dive into rehabbing properties to begin with? Oh no, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, no idea. So, <laughs> so I, you know, most people, when they get started in the real estate investing, like the easiest way to get started is in wholesaling. Uh, but more often than not, I hear people say they started off by rehabbing properties because I, I guess maybe it's ingrained in us. That's what we see on HGTV and, and things along those lines. So it's like the first thing we do is we go and we buy a flip. That's the same thing I did. I, 
I had background in, in contracting, but the first thing I did in real estate was I went and bought a flip. So you, you got into these two properties and, and you didn't have a whole lot of experience and, and obviously you had some issues there. How did you survive those issues? Well, that's an interesting question in and of itself because uh, in one sense I didn't. Uh, it took a long time to to for that kind of the initial you know problems to come come to fruition, if you will. But uh, you know we you know we, we we ended up losing all of the properties or the vast majority, and so you know it, it was. It was a painful lesson. So we went a couple of years. We bought you know dozen properties or so, right. and and uh, eventually filed for bankruptcy. And so you know that that's tough when you go through all that and you put that that kind of effort in and you you have those kind of big dreams and and it fails. So that's it sucks and it's not fun. And so then you have to regroup, right? Right. So. You know, going through that process, and I was going to ask you this question anyway, so let's go ahead and jump into it. For someone who's wanting to get started into this, what would what advice would you give them? What's your number one thing that you would tell a newer investor to do when they get started or maybe to avoid? Yeah, you know, I, I think the number one thing – uh, I think I think the guru worship part is overrated, and I think there's a lot of folks out there that charge a ridiculous amount of money for not great service. But I I just really fundamentally think that a mentor of sorts is is a is a great gift, and to just understand and I, I've told this story over and over and so forgive me if people have listened to other podcasts that I've been on, but I, I had a mentor who, you know, he didn't know he was gonna be my mentor. <laughs> but, you know, his name's Rob out of Florida and and Rob, you know, it took me a gajillion times to get him to sit down and, and go over what was going on and, and I didn't understand why it was so hard to get him on the phone and I'm like, you know, or get him in person. And I'm like, well, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you lunch. You know why? Why wouldn't you want free lunch? And, right. uh, you know, and, and lo and behold, as I started to get to know him and now he is, you know, more of a colleague and still very much a mentor, but, uh, different relationship. But to be able to have somebody there to say, you know, RJ, this is, this is not a good idea, man. Or, Hey, RJ, this this deal looks killer. You should take it down, but let's look at these three things because this is, you know, in this area of town, these are the comps you should look at. Or, you know, man, have you look, double look, checked that foundation? Because, you know, I remember the 42nd time I, I had to dig and push on this one job. This is <laughs> right. the thing I ran into. So, you know, one of the things we learned in business and even where we sit now, there's nothing that solves the time and experience for you. Right. You know, so the only way you get time and experience is somebody else who has a time and experience. And so to me, when you can have that relationship or you have a cohort of people doing them together so you can mitigate some risk or share some risk. Uh but I I think there's nothing better than A, 
reading books. <laughs> I'm a huge book reader, and I am I'm constantly trying to devour more books, more information. Uh, talking to guys like you who are in the business, doing doing cool stuff, have big goals, and then also education. So even you know, for us now, we're in, we're in a in a uh, a mastermind, and and so we get to hang out with people and ask questions of people who are you know have the same kind of problems and so it is at every level so important to have that relationship and that that uh, person to or people group of people to to be able to um, knock ideas around with right and i i second everything that you just said there because i i get asked the question all the time like how can i get into real estate investing and it's not as simple as here's how you analyze numbers or here's how you manage a rehab. We're constantly learning. And like you said, being a part of a mastermind, going to your local real estate investing association meetings, reading books. I mean, there's so many like free content. You know, you've been on the bigger pockets uh, podcast, biggerpockets.com is a great resource for newer investors. And even people that are more experienced. I mean, I still find myself going to bigger pockets all the time to either, you know, search for uh, a new way to market or a new strategy or just double checking. Am I doing it the right way? I'm just making sure. And it, there's tons of content out there. And it's very important that you don't think that it's going to be taught to you in a couple of days by by one guru I'm, mm -hmm. I'm i'm a firm believer in that and so did you go through an education program like that to begin or did you just learn through the school of hard knocks along your way yeah it was definitely the latter um i did not have a guru i had the anti-guru um and uh i thought i had somebody who's going to teach me a construction business and and in it and it and it wasn't but you know that's certainly nothing to dwell on and and it was a great lesson to me to uh, know the rules of the game before you play it and boy if you don't know something then get people around you who who know and who will be honest with you and right and so you know for me it was kind of more the school of hard knocks is one thing but then it's all also, don't make the same mistakes and then right. you know, understand what your strengths are. Understand the type of person you are. Understand what you want. Gosh, I mean you might want a real estate business, but you still really have no idea what that actually means. Right. Fail often, but always fail forward, right? Like if you, if you fail, that, that, that's, you shouldn't consider yourself a failure. I mean I, I screw up things all day every day. But most people would consider me a successful real estate investor, and that's just because I'm learning from those mistakes. Um, I still make mistakes in my business all the time, um, but I'm a young guy, and so as I make those mistakes, you know, I'm learning, and as a company, we're writing those things down, and we're making sure we don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Um, it, it's, like I said, it, the Construction, you, you said you thought you had a guy that was going to teach you construction. You're you're successful now. You're doing 150 deals a year. Um, would you go out and say that construction is still not easy for you? You know, it's a different problem. 
uh, and actually when you wrote or when you said make mistakes all the time and, and learning from them and I wrote down uh, also having a system to retain that learned information so that right. you can you know so it's it's one thing to, to, to learn what it is but then the next thing is actually to have a system and that builds a process mm-hmm. so you know if you screwed it up there's probably you can probably figure out what the right way is if you haven't already figured it out. So, you know, within construction, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's construction's easy, uh, because it's not. Uh, and I wrote a blog at one point that something to the effect of you know real estate investing is simple, but it's not easy. And I think right. you could use the same you know concept to construction, right? It's it's a house, you know. We have we have rough in, you know, or we have demo, we have rough in, we have, you know, uh, flooring and sheetrock and paint, and uh, and then we have finish, you know, electrical, carpentry, roof, right. exterior, blah blah blah. We can, you know, we. But then for us, the thing that we've been working on in the construction is it 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 really is easy at some point for you that one a month is easy and then two a month is easy and then five a month is easy. So for us, we've been trying to solve the problem of what does it look like to do 12 to 14 a month. And so, you know, we have much more specific design and scope, you know, processes and we have much more dialed in project management because you know you might have 30 40 50 60 guys in the field on one single day today you know out there doing different stuff so you know it's a different problem to solve and in talking about your systems i'm assuming because of the type of product that you're selling or keeping you are buying a very specific type of property correct uh yeah yeah i would say that that is accurate for sure yeah, and that and that helps you with your systems, right? You're not buying across the board. You're not buying everything within your market. You've narrowed down to your niche. You know exactly what you're going to buy, and then that's what you're talking about. You know exactly how you're going to finish it out and how your contractors are going to to do the work on that property. Does that help you build those systems within your business? For sure, for sure. And in I think you nailed something right there too, which you know, we briefly talked about before we started rolling, which was, you know, you kind of got to know what the end looks like before you start. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not to say that you're, everybody's going to know that specifically at the beginning. And, and I, but you have to be thinking that question, like, what is the end result that I'm looking for here? And I know for us, we, we were at, in the very early stages buying, you know, basically, oh, this looks like a deal, you know, boom, bought it. Right. This looks like a deal. Boom, bought it. But we we didn't practice anything well, and so all of a sudden we realized we have all these different projects and and managing them is a nightmare. And trying to figure out, well, hey, why didn't you put this cabinet in this one? And why didn't we paint this this? And why is this grout color this? Well, hey, guess what? Hey, dummy, it's your fault, Nathan, because right. you didn't make sure the guys have have the tools to know. So we literally have a selection sheet and a scope sheet that sits in every single project of every single rehab we have. So you're not sure? Well, guess what? It's on the wall. Wow. See, and that's the kind of repeatedly, as I have guests on the podcast, um, I, I sometimes worry that the content is going to get muddied down because I have successful investors on here. And as I have successful rehabbers, 
like yourself, you you keep saying the same things. It's all about building your systems. Luke Weber in Las Vegas, Nevada, successful rehabber, doing similar volume to what you're doing. He doesn't have the exact same system as you do, but he has the same type of systems in order to control his rehabs, like you're talking about. There's not going to be arguments over what's done to the property or what materials are used because you've implemented that system. I'm assuming that came from a failed flip in the past where you were like you were talking about, why is the grout the wrong color? Why didn't that cabinet get painted? At what, how long did it take you to develop those systems? Oh, it's, it's taken a long time. And, and, and to your credit, I appreciate you saying from one failed flip, uh, we, let's go with dozens that, <laughs> that just, you're like, well, or they're not on budget. So right. one of the things we preach to our guys is on time, quality and budget, and they have to be all three. So it doesn't matter if it's perfect, but it took you six months to rehab a six week job. You know, it, it doesn't matter because the holding costs, you know, right. crush you. And, and it doesn't matter if it's a beautiful, um, you know, picture, but all of the guts of that rehab, because we, we're, we're not about making crappy rehabs that look pretty. We're about having pretty rehabs that from the inside out are, are perfect too, or as perfect right. as you can get a remodel. And so we, we start, you know, one of the things that I think is really important it has been a huge help for, for me personally and for our business is we started adopting the one thing, which is also a great book, by the way, but uh, one thing attitude, which is one thing might be something really, really big, like what does the process from start to finish of our rehabs look like? Or in our case, what we started doing was we started breaking it down by section. So the demo phase roughing phase, paint carpet, flooring phase, tile, and then finish. And so we started, and if you can kind of picture, like if you put your thumb and your in your middle finger together and you kind of shorten the distance between those just a little bit, and then you shorten the distance between a little bit and do that a little bit more, you all of a sudden created an opportunity for that thing to run pretty well. And then you shorten the distance of all four of those together and then, you know, you really start to see those systems work because you you have built them, you have had that time and the experience to to see it, to let it unfold. Right. So outside of rehabbing properties, I want to touch base on on all of things within your business. How are you acquiring these properties? So uh, up until literally about two weeks ago, it was just me. And uh, so I was, you know, whether it's MLS or wholesale relationships and very few direct-to-seller. So I know there's a bunch of people out there with these monster direct-to-seller businesses. And, you know, we just have not done that. And so, you know, I've instead made it more about the relationships with, you know, the realtors and and the wholesalers and stuff like that. And so we could bring value and you know, I, I would say that we're well known in our in our market to be a great buyer, and we're quick, we're cash, we're you know those kind of things where uh, we bring the value on the on the way we're able to do business, and not necessarily uh, just you know we might be able to pay more, we might be able to pay less, but we we're going to always execute. That's probably also helped your business within marketing costs as well, right? Because you're establishing relationships, so instead of you know, dropping tens of thousands of dollars on pay-per-click or direct mail or things along those lines, 
you're able to save that money because you're building relationships yourself to bring you the properties, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So it, it makes a huge difference. So we just recently brought on a new, new uh, team member. And so he is, uh, he's both, you know, right now just working on the acquisition piece for us and, and learning that business and learning, you know, criteria. Uh, but he's also then going to be help, you know, start the spearheading of our, the retail side of our business too. So, you know, then we're able to, we list all our stuff in house. We able to, um, you know, acquire and have that person actually on our team and then, um, you know, growing out that retail side of the business, which would just be another leg, you know, in our proverbial, uh, on our proverbial stool. So, right. So I always reference the newer investors on the podcast, but you just talked about something that I think might be beneficial for the more experienced investors. A lot of us are control freaks within our business, and it sounds like you've been in charge of acquisitions for quite some time for your business. What are you? What steps are you taking to acclimate the new hire to come in and help with acquisitions? And and what systems are you putting in place for that new hire? You know, that's a great question. So, you know, to use the control freak example or the, that concept, I think a lot of times people, if there's such a control freak that they can't let go, I think oftentimes the problem, well, first of all, it's their problem, not the person coming on. The whole reason right. you ha had them was to help. And the second, in in the book E-Myth, they talk about, you know, all of a sudden you you desperately need to have that that you know next person on your team, and so you just hire them, and you're like, hey, you're a, you know, you're you're now the you know bookkeeper, and you answer the phone, and you run the warehouse, and you whatever. But and we've done that, so don't 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 hear me saying I haven't screwed that up royally before, because <laughs> I have badly on a number of occasions. Uh, and the fact is. It's not that hard if you can be really clear on what their job is. And so, you know, and, and the whole reason why you bring on help is A, it's it takes tasks off of your list, or B, or, or and or they're better at it than you. Right. And, and so, you know, it took us a long while to do this, but we have a pretty pretty decent system in hiring too. So first of all, you gotta make sure the person's the right fit culturally. Uh, you want to make sure that they're fit for the job. So, you, you know, we use a disc profile. We also use a psychologist and a test specific to that kind of job. So, you know, we want to know, hey, th this person is going to be a great fit sitting in the right seat. Uh, you know, J Jim Collins talks about sitting in the right seat on the bus, going the right direction with the right driver, you know, with the right leadership. Mm -hmm. So it's um, <laughs> a lot of squirrels there. I p apologize. But uh, so – we, when we brought them on, uh, our systems, part, part of our success is my business partner and I have very different jobs and very different abilities. And he's amazing with data and numbers and systems. And uh, I think I've referenced, you know, a million books already, but in book traction, they talk about an integrator and a visionary. And so, you know, I'm definitely the visionary. He's the integrator. So luckily, Luckily now, over the course of multiple years, we've had now systems in place. And we can say, hey, uh, Rustin, our new acquisitions guy, 
this is how you do it. This is where you put the listing. And, and guess what? In Podio, you can literally, it tells you what to put in. Address, enter, you know, check. Right. Beds and baths, check. What are we going to buy it for? Check. You know, you can go through the list. So that thing's already built for you. So if you get a guy who can figure out or girl, whatever, you, you can figure out, hey, this is what the value, the ARV of this property is, and this is what we can buy it for. And then I started helping him ballpark because we have a workup built. So, hey, it needs, needs doors for just input for. We already have our pricing in there for it. Needs paint. Just enter the square footage of the house. We can It'll already solve it for you. So he was able to be brought into a system rather than saying, guess what, Rustin? We buy houses and you're going to follow me around all day. Right. Not going to work. Not very well. Well, and you said something there that I think is so important. They might be better at that role than you are. And I think that's a humbling moment for a, a business owner a CEO, a founder, whatever it is to realize. And because a lot of times I think as business owners, we think we're the best at every role within our business because we've, we're the only person that's ever done it, right? You start off you're you're solo or you have one partner and you do all of these things for so long, you think you're the only person who can do it. And it's amazing, like you're talking about, when you have those systems in place, if you've done the things the right way and you've built systems and you bring them on and you implement them in the system, now instead of you, the owner, doing five or six different things within your business, you take one of those things off your plate, you now become better at everything else you're doing because you have more time to work on it and their sole focus is on that one task. They can do that one task so much better than you can do the five or six because your your bandwidth is only so far as a as a business owner. And so that was something that I had to, to get used to. And I had to admit to myself that I'm not the best at everything within my business, even though it felt that way because I was the only one doing it. And so kudos to you for implementing those systems and getting someone within your business to now take that off of your plate. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think the important part about that too is, you know, it's, it's not about whether they're better at it than you, they, they should be. So, you know, I, I played music for a living for more than a decade before I got in real estate and you know, it's one thing to be a great band leader and it's another thing to be a great singer or a great lead guitarist or whatever. And I was the band leader. I, I was a good singer and I played multiple instruments, but I was never more excited in my role than when I could bring together a bunch of amazing musicians. And whether it's in a worship setting, like in a church or whether it was in a rock and roll band in the middle of a bar giant, you know, place. And I've gotten to play for thousands of people and all this amazing stuff, but there's nothing like having multiple people who are in the, in kind of in the same space and the groove is happening and the song is playing and everybody understands where their place is. And, you know, I might be playing bass and the parts might, maybe not that exciting, but when the drums and the bass are connected and then, you know, that the, it leaves all this open space for the band to play, it's the same concept. And you are doing your business in yourself an injustice if you are not letting go because you cannot 
have that death grip on your business and let it breathe and grow and it might be successful, but I can guarantee there's people not having a lot of fun and they're probably not going to stay versus they culturally fit, they understand their job, they have autonomy to do it, and they know what the scorecard is and they know mm-hmm. what the goals are. So, you know, I think, I think you know, it takes growth on the, on the person who's in leadership just as it, mu- as it does the people who are there to help do the specific jobs. And it's amazing how much of this is a reciprocal thing. Like you started off this interview by mentioning that you're a part of a mastermind and, and that's helped you within your business. I learned what we're talking about right now when I joined my first mastermind Mm. and I got to see successful investors running successful, either wholesale, uh, buy and hold rehab businesses. It didn't matter, but they all had similar systems. And I'm looking around and I'm going, we're lacking these systems within within our business. Myself, my partner, we're doing too much. We're keeping too much close to the chest. We're not trusting people. And the reason why we weren't trusting people is because we didn't have the systems in place. So that's what we started with. We put the systems in place. We were able to hire people. Those people have now flourished within their positions. And now the business is doing better. I mean, yes, it's it's amazing how that works. You know, I mean, as owners, the reason why we were scared to hire people is because we knew if we hired them, they were just going to come in and fail because we had failed the business as owners. Yes. Boy, is that true. And I I love um, one of my favorite books right now is the Extreme Ownership book and by a guy named Jocko Willink. And he talks about uh, he's a former Navy SEAL commander. And and uh, one of the stories he tells at the very beginning, and I won't try to explain the whole story, but basically there's a blue on blue, which is, you know, friendly, friendly uh, forces are firing at each other. And he's the commander of what's going on. And and they have this, you know, briefing afterward, and he asks all his guys, whose fault is this? And, you know, his guys are like, it's my fault, you know, Jocko, this is what happened. It's my fault, this is what happened. No, he says, no, one after another. He says, no, I was a commander, I was responsible, and I am mm-hmm. the one at fault. And when I started to realize that if your team's screwing up something, it is definitely not their fault. Right. It's definitely your fault as the owner. And now, not to say, you know, if somebody repeatedly does something over and over that they're not supposed to, that's a different problem, right? But right, right. if you didn't set the conditions for them to know what to do and you didn't give them the training and the tools to do it and make sure that they were set, then, yeah, it's, it's totally your fault. Right. And as owners and, and CEOs, that's our responsibility and, and to, to recognize those problems and implement those solutions. And so – um, I, I thank you for sharing all of that because uh, so often uh, I only focus on things for newer investors, but I think that's also very beneficial for people out there that could be highly successful but frustrated. I see that a lot. You know, people that are that are doing great things, but they get frustrated. They kind of burn out a little bit because they're they're burning themselves out within their business because they don't have those solutions. So let's talk about where your business is today and you know you said you're going to do 150 flips this year mm-hmm. um how many people are on your team outside of you and then in your partner and the new hire how many people do you have on staff so in the office we have um 
two full-time construction project management folks. We have a construction administrator. We have a client coordinator that handles both clients and sell, you know, the sell side, buying sell side transaction. Um, and then we have uh, the acquisition person that we you know, mentioned. Right. And uh, then we have probably, you know, 25 or 30 uh, various individual contractors uh, and then probably another five or 10, you know, larger contractors. And then we have another, you know, probably, uh, you know, in the half dozen to a dozen, you know, trades, you know, like in the plumbing and electrical and HVAC, that kind right. of stuff. So those contractors, are they... Do you have any contractors that are on staff or are they all separate entities that you're hiring out per project? Um, the, the, the two guys who are on our construction staff used to be, you know, guys who swung, swung hammers. And so we knew them very well. And it, that's been part of the success being able to, to elevate those guys from within. Um, so as far as like on staff swinging a hammer, we don't. And gotcha we found that we were able to a have the guys make more money uh, by not doing that. And B, we had a lot more controls just on, on what was actually happening in the field and responsibility uh, like between what our responsibility was to help pay for, for materials and pay those guys and and then the end result. So that's, you know, that's why we ended up uh, ultimately switching to that. Uh, specifically. Gotcha. And you said you're going to be keeping about a third of the properties that you're rehabbing this year. Um, as far as rental properties going and keeping those long-term, um, why don't you talk a little bit to our listeners about the importance of keeping rental properties and building that portfolio and what that means to you? Okay. Yeah. So first part of that being what, what are we uh, aiming for within that or just on the, yeah, price? I mean, you know, obviously every investor has that goal of obtaining passive income. And I'm assuming that's what you're keeping these properties for, um, long-term, you know, what are your goals for, for obtaining that passive income and, and what does that look like for your business? How do y'all make those decisions on what, what you're going to keep and what you're going to sell and Mm-hmm. Kind of just talk about the the buy and hold side of your business a little bit. Gotcha. So you know one of the things that we, you know, and really this is kind of back to the last conversation we just had, which was, you know, a lot of times people don't want to slow down, and so if there's a bunch of stuff and you're frustrated in your business, you might need to slow down. And so mm-hmm. for us, we had to slow down and dial in the construction, and so we weren't we weren't pulling. Uh, as many out of that rehab bucket as what we wanted because it, into the buy and hold because we we still needed that income coming in and covering the overhead and you know making the day to day dollars right so you know it's important to say hey this might not be what we want today but in order to have what we want tomorrow this is what we need to do today and and so that that's what we did and we really spent probably a year dialing in construction. And it, and it takes time. So now we're starting to see the, the fruit of that labor and the effort and, and being able to say, okay, now that we can see this machine and we understand the systems, so uh, 
you know, holding 50 or so, or I'm sorry, rather adding 50 or so this year. And, you know, I was just having this conversation, uh, you know, in the last couple of days with my partner. And, and one of the things that we're really focused on is not just the number of units, but it's deleveraging that to where, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, 20 units or 50 units or hundreds of units, thousands of units, whatever it might be. Uh, and I do know guys with thousands of doors, you know, especially in the multifamily. But, mm-hmm. you know, for us specifically, we are thinking, and I personally, both in my personal life and my personal finances as well as in this, you know, I am all about focusing on on acquiring really high-quality properties renovating them just the same so we're not doing anything less we're not doing you know we're not leaving uh work to be done at a future date um and from there we are just uh paying them off like crazy and so you know i I think our first target is you know really it's really more about the passive income number around a hundred grand a month Mm -hmm. and it might sound like a lot to some people and it might sound like small to others for us. That was a, you know, thinking about both covered covering our business. So like in a, in a downturn scenario or a mitigating risk scenario where we, you know, we don't have some several properties that don't close or something like that. Our team knows, Hey, we got your back. So we're going to make sure that we, we have that covered. And, and then second is just, you know, from that standpoint, clearly, you know, I think most people would say, Hey, you know, split, split between a couple people, they could, you know, they could probably do pretty well with, with right. that as if it was just straight income. So I'm going to go back to that mastermind that I joined mm-hmm. and, and there were several investors within the mastermind that had lost, <clears throat> excuse me, that had lost everything, uh, back in 2007, 2008. And that was before I was in real estate investing. And at the time I was just coming out of college. So I was oblivious to what was going on in the world. And I took the opportunity within that mastermind to ask those investors, what are you doing different today Mm -hmm. than you were doing in 2007 and 2008 when you lost everything? And one of them said his goal, his and his partner's goal is $100,000 a month net passive income. (laughs) That's everything that they do. And so that's become my goal. I don't know if you saw that or not. I, just I did not realize that. Facebook. That's yeah, that's, that's my goal. That's their goal. That's your goal. Um, I, yeah, it sounds like a lot, and it is. I mean, I'm not going to minimize that, that daunting task to get to that number. But you do get to a certain point within your business, whether you're wholesaling, buying rentals, rehabbing properties to where you realize that it's an obtainable goal. And, and if you have those systems in place, that should be something that you strive for. I'm a huge advocate for the passive income. Um, and, and it's funny that I hear someone in a whole nother part of the, the country and, and you and I prior today outside of Facebook, we've never actually spoken. Uh, it's funny that you and I have the same exact goals there. What was your what was your feeling on the leverage part? What what have you been thinking about in that way? Well, I, I mean, to get there, I'm I'm going to have to to leverage quite a bit to get to that point. Um, but I'm I'm the same way with you in the fact that I'm going to try to rapidly pay those down as quickly as I can. 
mm-hmm. because I have other revenue coming in within my business. So it's not like the cash flow that's coming in is going to be what's supporting me personally or the business or anything along those lines. So yes, we can rapidly pay down whatever debt that we're going to take on to acquire those properties. Yeah. So love it. I, it sounds like that's similar to what you're doing. Cause I, you're taking on debt to purchase these properties, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So yeah. And you, but you're just trying to pay it down quicker than whatever note you have on it, whether it be 15, 20, 25 years, right? Oh yeah. A lot faster. Yeah. yeah right. we, we'd like to have, you know, them paid off in, in years, not, not decades. Exactly. And, and we're right there in the same, same place. But what is your average purchase price on a, a buy and hold property for you? Um, are you talking about purchase before rehab or are you talking about ARV? Let's just say your average after you've rehabbed it. So you purchase costs, rehab, everything. Where, where are you at? Like what's an average note that you're taking on on a property? Let's say between 60 and 80,000 probably. Right. And so that's a little bit less than what we're going to have here in in Dallas Fort Worth, mm-hmm. which is why we've leveraged ourselves to other markets. So we're we're buying in St. Louis. Um, San Antonio is going to be a good market for us because it's a little bit less of a price point. Um, and then the exact polar opposite of that. Let me let me <laughs> kind of I guess make my uh, contradict myself. But we're also going to be buying buy and holds in Hawaii. Purchase prices are much higher, but the rental rates are extremely high. And it's almost, you know, in St. Louis, we can get these absurd cap rates because we're buying for so low. We get the same absurd cap rate in Hawaii just because the rental rate is so high. Mm. So those are the those are some of the areas that we're going to be buying, you know, buying holds. And that's kind of our thought process is trying to find areas where the purchase price maybe isn't as much because DFW's price point has gone so high. So, and, and you're in Kansas city, right? And so it is, I don't know if you know anything about St. Louis, but is Kansas city market kind of similar to St. Louis where it's a, a really strong buy and hold market? Yeah, I, I would say so. And I think that's why we have such a strong, uh, you know, turnkey buyer uh, group that that mm-hmm. continues to buy from us uh, and you know we also have that a class kind of property in our mind as well although we're fo- focused more on on just this market since we're here but you know looking at those a class you know 250 300 thousand dollar houses just more as an annuity uh in, in, in a p- potential appreciating play as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's a lot easier to start thinking about that stuff when you have other income like streams like you're talking about. And so, you know, if you are the newer investor right now, you know, all of this sounds really awesome and exciting, and it is. And I think it's it's so important to write those goals out, what it looks like. But it's also important to focus on what the one thing is right now. So whether it's in your business or ours, you know, we had to focus on, okay, well, let's make sure we just, we're just buying turnkey houses right now. We know how to do it. We know how to start it. We know how to, you know, the the middle part, we know how to finish it. Uh, okay, let's dial in our acquisitions. Let's make sure we're, we're clear on that from the construction side. And, and so we can be a little more pickier or we can be faster because we know it's a little more clear. And then, you know, 
once you know that's running and it's pro producing the result you want, then it's so much easier to then say, okay, cool. Well, let's okay, let's start adding. You know, for every X number we're flipping, we can keep one, and you know, plus you'll be happy with the rehab because you know, hey, okay, we got the we, we bought it right, we got the the construction right, and now you're you have a great property that you'll you'll be happy keeping long term. Right. And you brought up writing out your goals and how important that is. Uh, yes, I had some big goals for 2018, but every year I, I create this like PDF of all the different goals that I have. And I always go back and look at them. It was just a couple of years ago where one of my goals was buy my first rental property. Mm. And, and now this year it's get to 100K net a month in passive income. So it can quit. You can quickly grow within this industry if you have that constant action. You're networking with people. You're learning. Going to those masterminds, those rias, and things along those lines. Let's talk about your why. What is your driving force behind all of this? Um, you know, getting that passive income, growing your business. What's your why? You know, my why is a number of things fold. So it's. Um, you know, first of all, financial security, uh, legacy wealth for my family to, to kids want to go to school or we want to travel the world for a year. We homeschool. So we, we've built our family life around that. And, you know, second, it is to build something cool and have fun doing it and, and enjoy, enjoy the process of, of that good and bad. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's also to be able to, you know, ha do certain things, whether it's traveling, we love to travel in our, in our, in our family and we love to do, uh, just cool stuff, adventure, whatever. Um, I'm starting to actually have my first flight lesson, uh, uh, Thursday. So it's been a life, awesome. lifelong dream. Thank you. And so, and then, and then there's another piece, which is I, you know, I grew up in the church, and I I have had amazing experiences. Last year, I was in Haiti a couple of times in Honduras, and um, probably headed headed back in the next couple of months to Haiti. And so, there's a bunch of people, uh, both domestic and international, that need help. And and uh, so, my wife and I are are very phil philanthropically minded. I, I'm not going to try to say that two times fast, by the way. Um, <laughs> And and so you know I'd like to I'd like to get to a place where we're giving away a hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand half a million a million dollars a year in a foundation with our family and uh, doing that that is uh, you know within the construct of of arts health and education and and really you know make a dent in whatever we can make with uh, resources and skills and and people we have so. Is that, love it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And so you said you love traveling. Mm -hmm. um, if you had to pick one place in the in the world that you could travel to today, where would it be? You know, I think that what would, probably would be Spain. Uh, we've talked about doing a month or two in Spain, and so it's it's kind of been at the top of the list for a while. But you know, a plane ticket. Uh, and a passport, man. I'm, I'm. There's probably not many places I wouldn't wouldn't be traveling to if I had that. Man, I thought with that big old beard you were gonna say Iceland. <laughs> That's what I was going with. So, all right. So, uh, in, in where do you want to be in five years? 
you know, in five years, uh, I, I want our business to, to function, uh, you know, effectively with, without me and without, uh, our team, not that we don't have a spot, but that we have it built out to a place where it does function and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're better and better able to take care of our people, um, who have taken great care of us and we're better and better able to, to help in our community, whether it's, you know, giving away a house to a veteran or, um, you know, there's a lot of these things I, I want to be able to do. And, uh, I want my personal residence paid for. I want to have no debt. I want to, um, be able to just do uh, what we want, have, you know, hundred plus, 200 plus rentals paid for, uh, and, you know, three or four different businesses that are, that are growing and, and doing amazing things. And, and then at that point, the, the financial piece is not really the concern. Now it's kind of looking at those other things. So I, I have a coffee business idea. I have a, um, uh, I've always thought about owning a winery and, um, and then, you know, my wife and I, we just moved to a place with 11 acres and, uh, so, you know, I want to have a little tractor and jacking around on the property and hanging out with my kids, you know? So that's, that's, that's what it looks like. I think you sound like me, man. You're like, I got this coffee business and I'm over here going, I got a comic book store I want to open and I want to get into horse racing. And, you know, it's amazing the, the things that, you know, being an entrepreneur and being in real estate can open up to you. Um, for our listeners that want to reach out and contact you, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, two, two ways. You can find me on, on Facebook, uh, just Nathan Brooks. Uh, and then you can also, you know, if you're interested in the turnkey stuff or what we do at bridge, um, you can go to bridge and, uh, and check us out there. So, uh, both places would be great. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and sharing everything you did with us. I know you're an extremely busy guy, but I appreciate you giving back and doing these podcasts, not only this one, but the other ones that you've done in the past to try to, you know, spread the message about real estate investing and educating uh, other investors. So thank you for sitting down with us today. It's my pleasure. And I appreciate you too, RJ. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. <laughs>